It's Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top headlines. At least 18 people were killed and 13 injured during the mass shooting Wednesday in Lewiston, Maine. Federal and local law enforcement have been searching for the suspected shooter. NHPR reporters Todd Bookman and Mara Hoplomazian join me now with the latest updates on how officials here in New Hampshire have been responding. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. New Hampshire officials have said they're not concerned about a threat to New Hampshire residents' safety, but they are offering support as authorities continue to search for the suspected shooter in Maine. Todd, what kind of resources is New Hampshire providing? Well, the latest we have from the Department of Safety uh, is that a SWAT team was sent to Maine to help on the ground uh, as the search continues for Robert Card. Um, And in addition, we know that there's a state police helicopter, and that's assisting in aerial surveillance of the region. Uh, On top of that, there are detectives from New Hampshire on scene. We we don't have specifics on exactly where uh, or what role they're playing. And then there's also victim advocates from the Department of Justice. They're heading to the Lewiston area to support families. And then at at least for a portion of Thursday, there were state troopers from New Hampshire shuttling blood uh, from New Hampshire hospitals uh, to medical facilities in Maine where, where the injured were being treated. Now, Mara, you were at the New Hampshire State House yesterday. What were you hearing from local lawmakers that were there? Yeah, I talked with a few folks between votes yesterday. Everyone I spoke with um, expressed their horror at the shooting and sympathy for everyone in Maine. But responses did seem to be divided down the aisle in some ways. Um, Democratic leaders really reiterated calls for stronger gun laws. Uh, Some said they'd like to see the state start requiring permits for concealed carry, which New Hampshire doesn't do, or implement some red flag laws, which are laws that could allow the state to restrict folks who could pose a danger to themselves or others from possessing a gun. Others said they'd really like to see the federal government step in and take leadership on gun policy. Um, one of those folks was Steve Shirtliff. He's a Democrat who formerly served as House Speaker. He said he's watching these kinds of mass shootings happen more frequently, and he's really concerned by it. Uh, I'm a former member of the NRA. I own firearms. Um, uh, I, I used to hunt, but something's got to be done, and enough is enough. And uh, I'm not for gun control, but I am for gun regulation, and we need more regulation uh, in our state, but more importantly, across the country. On on the other side of the aisle, Republicans I talked to, you know, many said they see our gun policies as sufficient in New Hampshire. Um, Some said they'd like to see more work to address mental health, which they said was the main issue rather than guns. And other Republican leaders declined to comment or didn't particularly want to say much. Um, House Speaker Sherman Packard said what happened in Maine was horrible, but he didn't see it as cause for gun reform. I think our policies in the state are fine. Hmm. So this latest mass shooting is, of course, reigniting the gun debate here in New Hampshire and across the country. And as we said earlier, law enforcement still searching for the suspected shooter. And this, of course, is a developing situation. Both NHPR and NPR will continue following the story. In other news from the week, immigration advocates are calling on the federal government to deny Governor Chris Sununu's pending request to give local and state police the power to enforce federal immigration laws. Todd, can you tell us more about the state's recent plans for its northern border with Canada? Sure. So there were there were two initiatives announced last week. The, the first was a bit more detail on money put aside in the budget. This was backed by the governor, uh, $1.4 million. And we now know that some of that money will be used to purchase equipment Uh, We don't know what equipment. I asked at the press conference if this may include drones, uh, but the Attorney General John Formella declined to say. Uh, But we also know that the money will be used to cover essentially salaries, 
and over time for state troopers and local police who are going to step up their patrols within 25 miles of the border. And, and then the second announcement was that those officers are being given enhanced powers. They, they can't arrest suspected migrants should they encounter any. That's still in the hands only of federal officers, but they can now temporarily detain people uh, and then hand them over to Border Patrol. And how are immigration advocates pushing back on this? What do they have to say? Well, on the issue of enhanced patrols, they say there's no evidence that they're necessary. We just don't have any state-specific data on where migrants are crossing along the northern border. Uh, the local office of Border Patrol, it actually covers all of Vermont and New Hampshire and a portion of New York's border with Canada. And that office uh, so far has been unwilling to turn over any state-specific data. So what do we know about what is actually happening along New Hampshire's northern border? Well, we know it's really rural. Most of the state's um, 58 mile, roughly 58 mile border with Canada is forested. It's it's certainly not fenced or walled in most places. There have been two arrests made this summer for human smuggling. Um, that is, cars were pulled over in New Hampshire um, with people who had crossed without proper paperwork inside of those cars, about 13 people in total. Uh, but even amongst that number, uh, it's believed that some of those folks came in from, from Vermont first and so beyond really essentially a few anecdotes from people who live, who live near the border at this point. There's just really nothing concrete that anyone can point to. So are you keeping an eye on anything in particular as you, as you follow this story, Todd? Well, I think these increased patrols are going to answer this question for us. You know, if state and local police start making a wave of arrests uh, for people crossing uh, without, without paperwork, uh, you know, that would essentially show that, yes, there's clearly a, a perceived pathway from Canada into New Hampshire for those who want to enter. On the other side, if there's only a handful of arrests, then I suspect you're going to continue to hear the argument that this is really uh, an unnecessary expansion of police powers. Now, lawmakers did meet in Concord yesterday for veto day. It was their opportunity to override bills that Governor Sununu has vetoed. Mara, you were following the fate of one bill in particular that would have a huge impact on a biomass plant in Berlin. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So the bill was meant to help keep this biomass plant afloat. In the grand scheme of New England's grid, the plant doesn't produce that much power. Um, but people, especially from the North Country, have really been arguing to um, to make sure it survives. They say the plant is really important to Berlin's economy and the timber industry and the state in general. So that plant's been selling power to Eversource since 2011. And the power they sell is generally more expensive than the market rate. So in their agreement to sell this power to Eversource, there was a $100 million cap on the amount of overmarket costs they could accrue. Those costs are paid by Eversource ratepayers, And the, they were approaching that cap in 2018. So Governor Sununu signed a bill that suspended the cap and let them continue to sell their more expensive power. And then that all happened a second time. So now there's an estimate that they're about $70 million over the cap. The state's Department of Energy audited their finances and said it's clear it would be a threat to the company if they had to pay back the costs that they've accrued over the cap. So this bill was meant to forgive the debt, allow them to stay afloat, but also sort of say no more overmarket cost forgiveness. The plant has to start paying. Sununu vetoed that, and yesterday the veto was sustained. So this effort to sort of help out the plant fell flat. So what does it mean for the future of the plant? 
Yeah, so in a statement yesterday, the company said the veto jeopardized hundreds of jobs. Um, I should note the city of Berlin says they'll also be impacted by this. The city council says that plant's really important to the financial health of the city. It makes up 16 percent of their property taxes and 40 percent of the city's water revenue. But the plant says they're still evaluating the impacts of the veto and considering their next steps. All right, we'll be watching more, uh, for more of your reporting on that. New Hampshire is joining 41 other states in suing social media giant Meta. Todd, tell us more about what our and, and other attorney generals are, are alleging here. Yeah, they're alleging that that Facebook and Instagram, um, these two you know highly popular programs or apps um, that Meta owns, are essentially are bad for kids. Um, the constant notifications and likes, the infinite scroll, uh, that the platforms are designed to suck young people in, keep them glued to their phones and that the end result is worsening mental health. And so this lawsuit is arguing that Meta has to change its policies, that the age limits need to be upped and the algorithm changed and other warnings put in place. Um, Attorney General John Formella compared the legal action in this suit uh, to lawsuits against big tobacco and the opioid industry, essentially that the harm you know, it's just really widespread and, and the company needs to be held accountable. So what, what's Meta's response to this? Well, the company has said it's already made changes and tweaked its systems to protect people. Some of that came following uh, the internal leak from a Meta employee that showed the company, uh, you know, internally knew these platforms were, were dangerous, specifically for, for teenage girls. Um, Meta has not yet responded to the lawsuit, though, uh, at least the one that's been filed here in, in Merrimack Superior Court in New Hampshire. Ultimately, uh, Todd, what do you think is the attorney general's um, uh, endgame here? What are they hoping will happen? Well, he was clear about this. He, he, you know, we were at, at the press conference. We asked him if this was about money, and he said no. He said this is about changing uh, uh, Meta's policies uh, to protect uh, uh, young people. If there is a, a master settlement, and that's that's frankly likely what, what would happen, rather than these forty different lawsuits, each each ending, you know, in a, in a trial. Um, I think the hope by the attorneys general is that there is sort of a master settlement that's going to include some substantial changes and pledges by Meta uh, to really change how they how they target their services at young people and, and how these apps actually function to try to protect kids. Okay, thanks, Todd. State regulators are considering a three-year plan for energy efficiency programs here in New Hampshire. These programs help Granite Staters use less fossil fuels and make cost-saving energy upgrades. Mara, the, the last time a plan like this was proposed, you know, it didn't go so well. Yeah, that's that's right. The last time the utilities proposed a big energy efficiency plan, um, it was rejected by the Public Utilities Commission, kicked off this big controversy, um, multiple lawsuits, and a, a really long sort of drawn out fight. That culminated in a new state law, which was sort of a compromise between the utilities wanting to raise the budgets for these programs and, and do more energy efficiency in the state, and the Public Utilities Commission um, saying no and, and wanting to lower those budgets. Um, and, and cut the funding for that. Um, those programs are funded by ratepayers. So the energy efficiency plan being proposed now is the first full plan that's based on that new state policy from a couple years ago. So the Public Utilities Commission holding its first hearing on this new energy efficiency plan earlier this week. How, how did it go this time? Yeah, I, I think how it goes sort of remains to be seen. The hearing process um, will continue next week on Tuesday, but the utilities presented their plan, you know, really saying there's not much 
difference between the programs as they stand right now and what they've been offering for the past few years. Um, the consumer advocate at the outset of the hearing made a blanket objection, sort of basically saying there was no controversy around the plan, so there was no need for a hearing at all. Um, but the Public Utilities Commission still asked a lot of questions. They really dug into how the utilities calculate costs and benefits for energy efficiency measures, asked some really specific questions about heat pumps, um, and really seemed uncertain about what their role is here now that there's a state law that directs them to approve these programs in a particular way. They're still sort of figuring out what that means. So what's really at stake here, Mark? Well, these are programs that help New Hampshire residents, um, you know, get their homes to use less electricity and heat. So there's cost savings on the line for people. Um, and and there's also energy savings. So so over the winter, you know, folks use these programs to weatherize their homes, um, make them warmer, but also lower their heat bills. Um, so, so that's an impact. And there's also a climate impact. You know, using less energy means using less fossil fuels um, and energy efficiency is sort of seen as a way to help the grid um, move forward in the clean energy transition. Sure. And HPR's Mara Hoplamazian and Todd Bookman, thank you both for joining us this morning on The Recap. Thank you. Thanks so much, Rick. You can find more of their work and all the stories that we talked about this morning, as always, at nhpr.org. And we're here next Friday with more Top Headlines. I'm Rick Ganley. You're listening to NHPR.